Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro, and delighted to be here for our first episode of 2024. Starting the year off with a bang. Happy to be here. Another year of Explore the Space podcast. We've been going for a while. We're coming up on close to 10 years. That's going to be exciting. And speaking of exciting, a couple of premium shout outs before we start the episode. First off, a shout out to our friends at Practicing Excellence. Healthcare leaders and teams have a lot on their plates and often lack the time and resources that they need. Enter Practicing Excellence, a skill building platform designed to bring value to every team member. It empowers healthcare leaders to transform the patient and care team experience, scale leadership development, and profoundly change organizational culture. Practicing Excellence equips you with the tools to build human connection skills across your teams, ultimately improving clinician well-being and patient outcomes. To learn more, visit www.practicingexcellence.com. Another big shout out to the 12th annual TEDx Sonoma County event, an upcoming TED Talk in Sonoma County. I am so excited to share that I am going to be one of the speakers on Saturday, March 2nd, 2024. We'll be at the Jackson Theater at Sonoma Country Day School in Santa Rosa, California. Please join us, www.tedxsonomacounty.com. This is always a thought-provoking and entertaining event. Come and join us. It's going to be a packed house in an incredible venue. The topic I get to speak on, super excited about making friends as an adult. There's an incredible lineup of additional presenters talking about things like climate change, the democratization of filmmaking via AI, new approaches to restorative justice, the future of work, how to find meaning during times of change, and more big ideas worth spreading the TED Talk philosophy. There's entertainers, there's song and music. It'll be a wonderful event www.tedxsonomacounty.com for information and tickets. Looking forward to seeing you there. I'm delighted to have as my first guest of 2024 on Explore the Space podcast, Dr. Danielle Sarno. Dr. Sarno is the Direction of Interventional Pain Management in the Department of Neurosurgery at Brigham and Women's Hospital and an instructor of physical medicine and rehabilitation at Harvard Medical School. She is immersed in critical and expansive work on the topic of sponsorship and mentorship with a particular focus on gender equity and how these things relate, how they are interconnected, how we can continue to get better at sponsorship and mentorship as we drive towards a more equitable healthcare environment. She also shares her journey on a recurring theme on Explore the Space, one around how we learn to say no to opportunities, to invitations, to requests, to things that come to us that may overload us, how we learn the art of saying no. It's not an easy skill. Her insights around this are absolutely fantastic. You will not want to miss it for sure. It fits very nicely with the, the theme that we've touched on on this show too, as we're all expanding our work and, and working towards our goals and looking for things that are aspirational, how we find that sweet spot of just the right amount. Before we get to the episode, a quick reminder, you can check out the entire archive of Explore the Space podcast www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can go to the merchandise store there as well, www.explorethespaceshow.com forward slash merch. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. You can hit me on Twitter at ETS show, Instagram at explorethespaceshow as well. 
If you have that opportunity to leave us that five-star rating and a review wherever you like to download your podcast, please do. That really helps us out. And additionally, please subscribe wherever you are listening to this, whichever platforms you like for your podcast. Please subscribe to Explore the Space so you don't miss out on any of the content we're going to be bringing you in 2024 and beyond. Delighted to be back for another year. Ready to kick off 2024. Without further ado, Dr. Danielle Sarno. Danielle, welcome to Explore the Space podcast. I'm delighted you're here. Thank you. Happy to be here, Mark. You're the first guest of 2024. We're going to kick it off strong. I hope you're excited about this. I am excited. Thanks for having me here. We always go into New Year's with a bunch of ideas and, and aspirations and momentum and things of that nature. And the backstory here, right? Every year I connect with Julie Silver and say, it's, you know, uh, Women in Medicine Month. Let's do some content around that. She sends me uh, a great reference. This year, she suggested you. It took us a long time to actually put this together. It's not Women in Medicine Month, and that is fine. I am glad that we're doing this to open the year because it gives us the chance to talk about this idea of momentum. And this actually came to me this morning of why am I sort of restless around this topic with respect to healthcare in America, primarily for those who identify as women? And where is this sense of like growing momentum coming from? Do you feel like there is a sense of momentum or a lack of momentum with respect to how we are addressing women's health in the United States? Well, I'm just glad that we're here continuing to celebrate women in medicine. It doesn't have to be just in Women in Medicine Month. And here we are talking about it as the first topic of the year. So I think just um, you putting that as a priority and for all the listeners, just getting to hear so much throughout your whole podcast, actually, I've seen many episodes or I've listened to many episodes where you highlight gender equity issues and we hear from the top thought leaders and you've um, so you've done a great job with that. Um, There's so much already. Um, about the literature showing that there's gender pay inequity and lack of sponsorship, lack of there's in, invisibility of mid-career women, especially in, in academic medicine. And so I think there is momentum. We're talking about it. We're here. And I see it elsewhere. There's more conferences and um, retreats related to this topic. So I'm actually hopeful for the, the momentum that's taking place. Do you feel like momentum becomes self-fulfilling or does it need like outside sustainment and like nutrition and fertilization Mm -hmm. and and push to keep it going? Yes. Yes. Great question. It's, I think it's just the whole, the whole team, everyone understanding their role when it comes to pushing forward with these um, strategies for sponsorship and mentorship, you know, not just one person or the woman advocating for herself, but the, all the men who are aware, you know, the he for she's, which I consider you to be based on what I've listened to in your podcast. But, um, so it really is, it's so important for everyone to be aware and just everyone to keep pushing, pushing forward all these, um, and these strategies. And I know that a primary space where you put time, energy, research efforts is this idea of sponsorship mentorship, how to advance yourself, but also how to help others rise in parallel and in series. So take us through foundational principles, I think, is the, is the best way to think about this. Sometimes I like to start off really high up strategic view, but here I think it's 
the foundational principles that are the springboard for that momentum to leap off from of the thing that I know is of primary interest for you, how we mentor and sponsor. And I say that from a place where for me, those terms are becoming overused um, and they are, they can rapidly become a platitude. So from a fundamental perspective, if someone is thinking to myself, all right, I'm hearing, I'm hearing these two doctors discussing momentum with respect to women's health in, in America. Great. That's exciting. Foundational principles where mentorship and sponsorship are meaningful drivers as opposed to a platitude. I agree. And just even starting off, which is what is mentorship? I think just you know, helping yeah. listeners just, just get that. Um, so mentorship being that professional alliance, it's a working alliance where people are helping each other over time, typically supporting professional and personal growth. And um, that could be through career and psychosocial support. And we're most familiar with that one-to-one dyad that long-term relationship with one-on-one, but we that's know the classic the evidence, model that's in our a, profession. Exactly. Sure. That's the classic one that we're using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that we also know that usually can last for years and it's very time intensive. Um, but there are other ways that we can have um, mentorship that might be less time intensive and just as impactful. There are small group mentorship opportunities, large group mentorship, speed mentoring. So there's different ways. And as long as the institution really supports a multifaceted mentorship program, I think that's how um, mentorship can thrive and people can, everyone can benefit then um, knowing that it doesn't have to necessarily fit within this one-on-one dyad and that we could become creative with it. And then if that's coming from the heads of departments that they're sponsoring events um, or hosting mentorship events and encouraging and protecting time for people to be mentors and Oftentimes we've seen that that work, um, being a mentor, it, it does take a lot of time and it's it gives a lot of personal satisfaction, but it might actually take away from that mentor's own professional development, you know, and their publications because they're so busy mentoring others. And so their um, growth in their career, their promotion, so are affected. And we know we've seen in the literature that women and often um, people from underrepresented groups are doing the majority of the mentoring. And so it's just good to highlight um, how we can also advocate for the mentors as well, you know, and make sure that um, they're actually getting something out of it as well. And so there's also the strategy of push-pull mentorship, which we can talk about, and then we'll get into sponsorship too. But um, the idea with the push-pull mentorship, um, because we said mentors often are doing invisible work, um, there's this mutual balance. There's this mutual relationship where the mentees can also look for ways that they could sponsor and push forward their mentors. And at the same time, we rely mm -hmm. on the organizations to drive this. We say the organizations, right? That's the big, that's who we work for, right? If you're working in an academic, you know, teaching environment, if you're working in a university setting, if you're working in a big multidisciplinary group, like I am, um, how much should we be relying on the organizations to say this is an organizational imperative and in doing so wait for that to be actualized versus say we're going to push for that but at the same time we're not waiting and here are some other avenues by which we can initiate mentorship how do we reconcile that 
I think it really is people driven. And so it can come from any level of the organization. It has to get to the top. So I think just being able to share information, you know, we we've talked about the great conference that Dr. Silver leads the career advancement and leadership skills for women in healthcare, and just getting more information out and ways that you can bring this back to your institution, bring it to a department level meeting or division meeting, let the leaders know about these ways to mentor and sponsor women in medicine in particular. And, um, I think just more education will then it will come hopefully from the top as well. And you'll have more potentially more funding, more time allocated for these kind of activities. One of the things that we were talking about before is the importance of sponsorship and what that even means. Um, sponsorship initially was that subcategory of um, mentorship. And when someone might advocate for someone behind closed doors or, you know, when the person's on the room and say good things about them, help to promote them. And it initially sponsorship came from the business world and then was adapted to medicine, but without much thought about how we train, how we work. And, um, some consequences of that we might not know as a sponsee or someone who's being sponsored might not know that they're being sponsored. It might not be also something that helps in their career trajectory. You know, maybe they're being sponsored or, you know, advocated for something that doesn't actually help with their CV, doesn't help with their rank promotion. So um, the idea of, there was actually a new definition by Dr. Julie Silver um, in her paper, and she has her paper, Six Practical Strategies to Mentor and Sponsor Women in Academic Medicine. And she talks about the importance of this new definition that takes into account having um, accomplishments or having this person that may have more power or influence, but not always having more power or influence, helping to um, advocate and move forward for accomplishments that actually can be used for rank promotion or something that can be then put on a CV. So this is specifically for people in academic medicine that it really matters for what you're sponsoring for and how that can actually help rather than take away time that might not actually go towards anything meaningful, at least in that might not even align with your values and your professional work. One of the things that um, Dr. Silver recommends is asking, you know, getting an ask from the actual person who wants to be sponsored of like, what is the most meaningful? You know, what would be the, what would, what, what is the ask? It's important to reconcile those goals because as you say, it, is it something that's geared towards promotion? Is it something that is lands on the CV? Awesome for some people. For others, they might not be in a role where they are pursuing this sort of academic promotion pathway that that's not relevant for them. And that's fine, too. How does then the sponsorship and the mentorship help them further those goals? Do you think, though, regardless of the pathway that you're on, are the relationships, the techniques and the mindset, they're they're generalizable, right? I mean, it, yes, it's, a, it's not one size fits all. You got to shape it to the goals, but the approach would be the same. Yes. I think the approach of asking someone who you, you think want, who wants help, you know, what do they actually need in any realm, whether it be right. something in the creative world or just um, a connection, an award of some type of speaking opportunity and engagement um, in media. So there's so many different ways. It doesn't have to be in academics, of course. That's my So when people reach out right to now. you and they say, when they say, all right, Dr. Sarno, can we have a conversation about this relationship? And you decide we're going to work together. What is your favorite strategy as the mentor to say, all right, mm -hmm. person X, we're working together now. I'm going to be your mentor. You know, let's talk about this. What's your go-to strategy? What's the one you like the best? I like really hearing from that person what their goals are. You know, okay. what are their values? What are their goals? How do they want to spend their time? What are, what's the why? 
And that's what I've done some work myself, you know, figuring out what is my why, why do I do the tasks and the activities that I do? And I want to help my mentees also find that they're spending their time doing things that align with their values and getting to them to where they want to be. So if there hasn't been much thought about what is, where do I want to be? Then we spend some time working on that together. I found that to be impactful for me and my mentoring relationships. I'm glad that you're here because I, I get asked the same sorts of things sometimes more informal, I think, than you. Um, and that's where I like to start. So I will follow up. How hard do you push? How hard do you push them in terms of that finding their wire, whatever term, goal setting exercise, mm-hmm. things of yes. that nature? How hard when do you let them say, all right, that's a, that's good or you got to you got to push a little bit harder? How hard do you push on that one? Well, I think um most people I work with do have a sense of what their goals are. They may not know exactly um, how to strategize getting there, but um, I give time. You know, I, I talk about my own journey that I didn't know always why I'm doing certain things. We just sometimes we're, as you know, medicine, we are going to medical school and then we're going to our internship residency and we're just kind of going along a path. Yeah. You know, I think, yeah. yeah. And so it's nice to, yeah. So I, I like to give time and, and know that um, for me, I'm in pain management. So I work with a lot of PM&R and anesthesiology residents who are going into pain. So for example, a lot of times people want to do a pain fellowship and we talk about that and their goals. And so I think I would love to hear from you. How do you, what do you um, end up how do you push or when do you yeah, stop? And- I think it's a really important thing because as someone who has learned a great deal about mentorship, both from having had really good mentors and learning from people like you and, you know, our big shared community that's really developed over the last decade, I think mostly through social media and our conferences and such things, I push hard. Um, I think it's the opportunity to really help someone reset uh, a, a multivariable goal setting exercise where, like you said, right, there's a prescribed syncopated pathway. You go to medical school and then you select your residency program and then you do your residency and then you select what's next and then you apply for your job and then you become a program director. This is not that. This is, that. that's part of it, but what else makes you feel whole? What are your personal goals? What are your uh, family goals? What else is pulling on your attention? What are your financial goals? Um, it, it's it's that. It's looking at the whole the, the whole person and allowing them to look at themselves that way. One of the things that makes becoming and attending so difficult is you have to look at yourself as a whole person again, because you're no longer having your residency make your schedule for you and telling you where to be and where to do it um, and having a little time off and then having your loans come due and these sorts of things. So yeah, it's, it's, you have to really sit down with some time and be really be tough on yourself and be rigorous on your, on these exercises because saying, I want to help people is not adequate. Um, and you know, the personal statements we may have written, this is, this is the next level of that. Um, and so it's an invitation, I think, to be much more rigorous. Um, and then also to remember that it's a living document that it's allowed to change quickly, Yes, right? You work as an attending for two years, you want to move, move, you know, you want to do something else, do it. You have a different level of autonomy that you didn't have for a decade while you were in training and helping people find that is really important. Yeah, I agree. And I also find sometimes there are so many opportunities. So sometimes it's about learning totally. to say no. <laughs> I, I thought that there's yeah. actually some great talks at that conference about yeah. the concept of really just 
Because when you say yes to something, yeah, you also say yeah. no to other things and saying it yeah. might be no to family time, no to Are you good at your personal it? Are you good at saying no? I'm I'm working on it. I'm really working on it. <laughs> right. And um, none I'm of really, us say we're not yeah. good at it. None of us will say no, I'm horrible at it. We all say yes. I'm trying hard to get better. <laughs> yes. I did talk, tell my um, main mentor that I will always say yes to what she asks. But um totally. because of all the opportunities. But in totally. in general, I just I do feel yeah making sure that it doesn't fully align with your goals. And that's why getting down to that, really understanding your why means so much. And that's the critical piece of that exercise too, right? It's it's baked in, but it has to be said. Part of it in this profession and in, you know, just in our lives in general, you have to build the skill of saying no to things. That you're doing yourself a favor, you're doing them a favor, you're doing everyone a service when you are able to exercise that muscle. I am working still, right? Mid-career attending, you know, young family, all those things. Mm-hmm. I am still working at it. Um, you know, working hard on the positive self-talk. So it's an ongoing opportunity for improvement, yes. but it's still there. We all talk about it. Um, how much time do we spend sort of in your professional circles and personal circles? How much does that subject matter of how are you doing with saying no to stuff? Or, you know, I just offered you something and you reflexively said, yes. Did you really think this through? How much does that come up? I think recently it's become um, coming up a lot, especially yeah. because now it's being talked about at conferences. And yeah. um, I am trying to share this with people I mentor and um, explain, you know, when I offer, because I do usually have a lot of opportunities these days, you know, things come my so. way. And, and then I yeah. give opportunity, I want to pass down those opportunities but, um, or pass along those opportunities. But I also want to make sure that they don't reflexively say yes, just because I'm giving this opportunity and thinking that that means something or that will affect if they, right. anything, if they say no. So I do give them that out and, and teach them that I'm actually, it's, yeah, it's okay to say no. And you don't need to apologize for it too. So it's the art of community communicating too, that I'm also trying to enhance myself and also work with um, mentees about just being able to be honest about, um, but not needing to apologize and making sure things really do align. But it is talked about. And I, I also love that you mentioned the self, the self-talk and the self-compassion and think all of this is what I've been getting really into these days and seeing also how it plays a role in my clinical life so with pain management and self-compassion and, um, personal life and just, yeah, I'm really seeing the impact. It's, it's really important. It, I've just learned this one like last year. Um, Kimberly Manning and I talked about it in the year end episode of 2023, but mm-hmm. you know, a, a life's journey of really being hard on myself and working hard to make that different and feeling the benefits for sure. I have a very specific question for you. When an offer comes, and you make the decision, you talk to your mentor, you talk to whomever, and you say, you know what, I'm going to pass on this one. Is there an obligation when you say no, thank you to offer them somebody else or to just say no, thank you? Where does your position on this topic that I have found to be rather controversial? Well, it is a great question because um, I I don't think there's any obligation, but I think um, and I've had different circumstances where I it, I think it depends. I think this is one of those questions. It does depend. Um, sometimes I have someone top of mind who I think that would be a great opportunity. And I actually have had that conversation where they're looking for that kind of um, yeah. sponsorship and would love that. Yep. So then I yep. think I'm happy to put someone's name forward. Um, so in that case, when I have mentees um, in those in those positions, but I don't think I don't think you need to feel obligated to do that. I think you're being asked something. I think you can kindly decline and um, move forward. I do think that's reasonable. I, I too. agree with you a hundred percent. And what you said just there 
I think is the most important takeaway is the move forward. One of the reasons that we're saying no to something, it's not because we're being mean or passive aggressive or anything like that. It's because we're protecting our bandwidth. And if you continue the conversation, you're still giving up some bandwidth, right? Sometimes the best part of saying no is that the emails stop, <laughs> right? That you're, you're no longer on that communication chain and that's totally fine. Um, when people have that sense of obligation that I need to give them, if I'm saying no, but I still need to give them someone else, like you're not actually protecting your bandwidth and you're not getting anything back for it. If you have someone close to hand, oh, I'm going to hook them up with Danielle. Hey, Danielle, mm-hmm. text you real quick. You want to do this? Yes. All right, cool. I'm going to give you their, beyond that, I think it's a, I think it's a part of saying no is saying no and moving on. Mm-hmm. And I've learned recently that you're doing the other person a service by just 100%. getting back to them and just, just tell them. That. Yeah. Deciding. Yes, exactly. The place that I actually got comfortable with that is um, people asking, Hey, I have, you know, I'll get like a, a, a publicist say, this person wants to be on podcasts. Is this someone that'd be interesting? No, thank you. But I appreciate you thinking of me. And I've gotten much better at that for sure. But for someone who doesn't have the publicist, maybe reaching out for you, Where is the place where you were able to kind of put a heel in the ground, get a bit of momentum and get used to this idea of normalizing? I'm going to pass on this. Yeah, this is just really over the past year that I started to just realize that it doesn't have to be give so much mental weight on every decision. (laughs) You know, it really could be where I I can um, decline. And and if there is someone, as we said, that I can readily think of. I can put that forward, but it's something that's still a work in progress because um, I actually, I do work with a professional development coach, actually someone who's guided me through this and she's the one that, oh, it's, it's wonderful. And um, it's just even those types of situations would come up. And that's when I really learned, I learned from her that it's doing the other person a service. So instead of thinking so much and so long about, can you do it? If you don't have, if you really think that you're going to not give it, be able to give it your all because you're not, or something else will be affected, then yeah, just be able to move forward. So it's still a work in progress. But then in parallel, right? One of the Mm -hmm. skills that I think matches up nicely with that is the ability to say yes and also to pursue something so that you have the opportunity to say yes. So I think exercising the muscle to say no, 100%. How important is it to be able to identify, I want that, I want to do that, and be able to be aggressive in pursuing that? Is that a relevant skill set in this idea of mentorship, sponsorship, push-pull mentoring, helping someone understand you want that? You have to go and get it some of the time. Yes. Yeah. I think really being clear with what your goals are, what you want, and then seeking out the sponsors that you know could get you there. You know, they might not have, um, they might have power and influence in that area, but not necessarily in others. And so seeking out that opportunity, being brave to reach out, communicate, go up to them at a conference, you know, all of that takes skill too, just to be able to navigate the, the social, um, circles of, um, at conferences and in, um, in meetings and at work and just, and then doing the research to see who has that power, who can help get that opportunity. And, and just, do you have a pitch in your your back pocket for when you're at a conference or cruising around? You say like, Oh, there's that person. I want to go, I want to go talk to them. Do you have something like I'm, I'm ready. No, I don't because um, I just really enjoy genuine connection. And yeah. I, you know, I think I've, um, and I think we all crave 
quality connection, which is why yeah. this mentorship and sponsorship piece, this episode I think is so important. And so I don't necessarily have a pitch, although I've been told that is very important to have, just what is your ask? So if I do, you know, I have seen people who I admire, I see their work and that's just always exciting yes. to um, get to meet them. And, yes. um, but it is nice going into a connection or a networking event without say, yeah, with with just um, being open minded, seeing where that, that the connection or the relationship brings. I these. agree with you. I want to. I'm going to mm-hmm. add to the question yeah. then. Yes. Have you been able to get comfortable with helping to move the conversation in such a fashion where you can promote yourself, where you can talk about yourself in a positive way, where you can share what you're up to? Not a pitch, but this is me. This is what I do. This is what I'm good at. This is the stuff I like. This is the stuff I'm interested in as part of the conversation, because that is part of the normal rhythms of conversation. Yes. And for some people, it's always about me. And for some people, it's never about me. Where are you in that space of you meet me for the first time? We're shooting the breeze. Mm -hmm. Your ability to let it be, well, this is what I'm up to these days. And this feels really cool for me. And I like this stuff. Where are you on that? I've definitely gotten better at this and um, just knowing that because um, I think part of that, we talked about the self-talk and thinking about, well, if I don't want to sound, you know, you get in your head, I don't want to brag. I don't want to, you know, but, um, but also you realize when you're sharing things about what you're doing that you're excited about and you're passionate about, you may find that that person also has a passion or interest and, and share about what they're doing. And I, and I do want to know that. And, and so I think, um, I think also the more vulnerable you can be, if you're just really, um, without necessarily oversharing, depending on what environment you're in, I may tend to overshare, but (laughs) basically I think just being able to, um, yeah, just being able to feel vulnerable enough in the right situations where you can share and then people might share where they have also where they might have failed and where they had struggles. That's actually what's brought me some of my closest connections. I've almost been grateful for things that didn't go my way and things that actually felt like failures at the time, felt really challenging, that actually seeking help and reaching out when you're at that vulnerable state ended up creating closer connections that brought other opportunities in the future that I never imagined. I think that this ability to, you know, metaphorically step into the arena with that, with the arena being the ability to share what you're up to, what you're enthusiastic about, what motivates you. It's such a powerful way to build relationships, to uncover opportunities. um, And it's hard. I mean, I'm a plussed up extrovert. I like it. And I am not normal in this respect. And so I have come to understand if I have the opportunity to talk with someone or work with someone to be like, they're, they're really good at things that I'm not good at. And this is something that I'm much more comfortable with, but I can't assume that they're going to be that way. How do we unlock it? Right. This, this critical part of interacting personally and professionally, what sort of things do you like to give low hanging fruit for someone who's hearing this and being like, dang, next time I'm at a conference, I do need to help conversations move so I can share a bit more about myself. How do they unlock it? I think asking questions actually might be a first step, you know, finding out what that person is interested in, what they're passionate about. How do they spend their clinical time, their days, you know, if they want to share about their families and life lifestyle. So I I liked, I've always been very inquisitive and sometimes um, I think, you know, maybe it's could be intense, you know, if I'm asking so many questions, but I do enjoy people. I enjoy learning about them. And, um, so yeah, so back to you, how do, what do you think? Um, you know, how do you open up the conversation? I I fall back Mm -hmm. on a similar thing, right? It's from a mindset of positivity and, you know, real curiosity. So questions, and then that sort of improvisational yes and approach, right? 
um, building off of what they're saying and allowing some of the things that I would be able to add to it or share in parallel or introduce into the conversation. But, you know, when you're when you're able to use that kind of approach of asking them questions so that they feel you know heard and, and interested in and respected, those things feel really good. Someone that you're just meeting is asking you some cool questions. And then also building on it from that yes and mindset. I find that that oftentimes kind of helps get things where they're going. Um, and then, you know, basic things, eye contact, body language, yes. um, you know, kind of reading the room um, and then not taking too much of their time. Right. You're in a busy environment. Hey, cool. So awesome to speak with you. Here's my cell number. Hopefully I'll catch you later. Or, oh, this is awesome. We've got plenty of time and we're having a drink at the bar and you're just kind of hanging out. <laughs> having that situational awareness, I think that that kind of potpourri is is a really, really good mix. I don't want to run out of time before we get to something very important, a piece of mentorship, sponsorship, example setting that you are doing that I am enjoying. You are very proficient at demonstrating the appropriate technique for lunges on your Instagram. Oh, you said. <laughs> I, I am working hard at mobility, flexibility. You're doing it holding your kids. Um, We're having fun the, with it. The genesis of this. I love it. Congratulations. Please keep doing it. It's super cool. <laughs> Lunges are hard. I'm going to be doing them when we're done. That's awesome. It's it, it felt like a bit of a leap from what your social media had previously been when I started mm -hmm. following you maybe a year or so ago. What's up? What's going on? I love it. What's going yeah. on? Well, it's time to practice what I preach and yeah. really get my lifestyle in order. <laughs> and, um, you know, as a pain management doctor, you know, we talk about all the pillars of lifestyle medicine right. and, right. and just sometimes I find as a gymnast, I, I did gymnastics throughout college and, okay. you know, growing up in high school, we did four hours of gymnastics every day, yeah. Um, yeah. three hours and then lifting, um, Gosh. and then every weekend in college. So it was, um, so different in med school residency, I used to teach my own cardio fitness class and I was looking for fun ways, always looking for fun ways to exercise. And if I'm no longer, since I'm no longer competing, I officially retired actually last April after I did my last round of back tuck, but then I, I officially retired. Um, but, um, so now it's just about fitting in seven minutes a day. So that's what that challenge right. was about seven right. minutes, scientific workout, and just have some fun, um, giving challenge. It's amazing how much, um, how great it is when you have an accountability buddy. So even yeah. just posting oh, totally. that on Instagram yep. and saying, yep. I'm yep. committing to doing this, yep. how that is what kept me going too, and having fun with it. So it's something that next I'm tackling sleep in addition to the seven minutes of exercise, really getting right. my sleep in order. If you're inviting mm -hmm. other people to join as accountability yes. partners, I am in, I have a couple of buddies that mm -hmm. were like, all right, we're going to, we're doing, we're doing yoga three times a week right now. And it's awesome. We're super, we're working on hip mobility uh, and it's great, but I love that you're doing that. Um, and now I'm delighted to know that you were a competitive gymnast. I did not know that. And this is right. We all have these extraordinary backstories and getting to find out these cool things. And now I am. I have many more questions, but we're, we're going to have to do that next, next time you come on. Okay. The, the, yeah. Give us one, one tip to improve lunge technique. Cause they're really hard. And what we're talking about, what is a lunge? What are we talking about? Yeah. And how do I, as a 47 year old tennis player get better at lunge technique? Okay. So I feel like uh, we're not on video. Well, we're on video, but you're not going to be having this. And we can uh, go to your podcast. Instagram to, to see it. I know. I'd love to uh, just demonstrate right now. You can go on Instagram um, and, tonight and be like, all right, Shapiro, yes. I'll just not explore this space. And here's the, here's your lunge technique. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I like thinking of um, the knee, not going necessarily over your foot, keeping okay. the knee in line with your 
ankle. Okay. And, um, and also just keeping balance. I mean, I'd always talk about fall prevention. So I want to make okay. sure you're using proper form and um, right. you have hips on your side. And you're talking about the standing lunge versus the squat, right? I just yes, want to clarify. Correct. Yes, correct. for the 100%. lunge. And um, you could do in the walking form. So just moving yep. forward or just um, when you bend down at 90 degrees, keeping your knee yep. over the ankle okay. and um, standing back up and switching your legs or just yeah, as I said, continue the walking. How low Let's do we just, take Next time the we can do a video knee. of this. Right. Mm -hmm. Does the back knee touch the ground or does the back knee approximate the ground? It does not need to touch the ground. It okay. just can get close. And it's All also right. whatever you can work up to to okay. be stable and okay. um, be able to do repetitively. I love it. This is the and best. not have falls. I don't want to be Where do people find falls. you so that they can follow the cool stuff you're doing and also learn how to do a lunge properly? Yes. Danielle Sarno, MD, um, for now on different platforms. So mostly on Instagram, but I plan to um, utilize the other platforms as well. I love it. This is so much fun. Thank you. I'm glad that we got to do this. And, you know, like you said, right, it doesn't have to just be Women in Medicine Month for us to have these yes. phenomenal yeah. conversations. We'll have you back for sure. This was a total blast. Thank you so much for kicking off 2024 on, on Explore the Space with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. My thanks once again to Danielle for joining us on Explore the Space podcast, our first guest of 2024. Definitely check out the show notes for this episode. A couple of links to articles that she references, great resources for you to check out, share with your teammates take on board for yourself as well. Thank you also to Practicing Excellence for helping make this episode possible. Practicing Excellence partners with healthcare systems to execute their strategic plans by fostering systemic skill building and continuous improvement for every care team member. Through Practicing Excellence, leaders become more purposeful, teams more capable, care providers lean in, and patients become more engaged and confident in their care. When every member of the care team feels better, everybody wins. Visit www.practicingexcellence.com to learn more. Thank you also to TEDx Sonoma County for helping make this episode possible. The world around us is in a state of unprecedented disruption. We're all struggling to adapt. It is time to reimagine, reconfigure, and reconnect. Join me at the 12th annual TEDx Sonoma County, Saturday, March 2nd, 2024, at the Jackson Theater at Sonoma Country Day School, www.tedxsonomacounty.com for the full lineup of speakers. Get your tickets. And when I say join me, I mean it. I will be there. I am one of the speakers. I am so excited to be there. I am so excited to be on that big red dot and to have as many friends and family and wonderful supporters of Explore the Space podcast in the audience as possible. We will see you there. There will definitely be more episodes of Explore the Space podcast this year, but do check out the archive www.explorethespaceshow.com. Hit me on Twitter at ETS Show, Instagram at Explore the Space Show. And do feel free to email me, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy the winter. We will be back soon with more great content. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com. 